Hello everyone and welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. Today we are joined by Adrian. Um, I'm going to pass over to Jeremy who's going to introduce him properly but thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you for listening and I really hope you enjoy the episode. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in. Um, so yeah, today we are live with Adrian. Um, we met Adrian, I think, during a yoga class somewhere in Miami. I think it was Daybreaker the first time. Um, Which one? I, I took a class with you. I think the first one I took with you was in um, Photopia, you know, like yeah, around the yeah, swimming yeah, yeah. pool. Uh, yeah. It was a really nice location. <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah, and then at space another time, and yeah, you yeah. did a couple. Um, yeah, and then we saw each other for your full moon yoga and and everything, and then I took some drone pictures of your of your class, and and then the rest is history. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, like I, I've been really intrigued by you <laughs> for a while because okay. you 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 do a lot online. I, I've seen everything you do, and you're not just a classic yoga teacher i would say that does this is yoga class and that's it you 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 are creating something big and and yeah i like to dive into that so we know where it's coming from and and you know like if if we rosie and myself and anyone can help you in what you're doing uh that'll be amazing because what, what you're doing is amazing and you know how much i love it so yeah let's dive into it um yeah i mean we're gonna start by just uh, maybe if you can tell us a little bit about you like where you come from how you ended up in miami as a yoga teacher okay let's start there. first of all thank you for inviting me for the podcast it's a <laughs> it's an honor to be here and i'm very glad to meet the both of you and all the collaborations that we've done in the past and all the support um uh, in both ways, by coming to the events and also by the amazing footage that you do, Jeremy, with, with the drone. Um, it kind of brought a, a different level to the event, so I'm very appreciative of that. Um, where to start? So I moved from Argentina to Miami on, uh, right before 9-11, August, August uh, I think August 3rd, um, 2001. And I came to Miami uh, to stay for a couple of months to study. I was doing uh, summer summer courses. I was coming to Miami to, to learn English, which back in the day, I didn't know better that coming to Miami to learn English wasn't the best place in the, <laughs> in the world. But coming from Argentina to flying to the U.S. was like, okay, I'm going to learn English one way or another. <laughs> so I ended up learning more Cuban than, than English. <laughs> But that was the main reason that I, I started to come to uh, the U.S. for a couple of years. Okay. And so after September 11, the world turned upside down pretty much like, like, like it's happening right now. Like 9-11, it reminds me a lot of what's going on uh, these days in a different in a, in a, at a different level, but with the same... Um, with some of the same feelings, the same generalized anxiety and worry and uncertainty. So I decided to stay longer. I applied for a visa. I started to work in the U.S. And I think from 2001 to 2004, I was kind of enjoying my freedom of being in the U.S. Uh, I also, you know... I, when I was in Argentina, uh, I didn't 
come out of the closet to my parents. So when I came to Miami, and Miami is such an open, free spirit city, it was like, oh, wow, <laughs> I can be whoever I want, do whatever I want, whenever I want. There's no more mom and dad waiting for me. <laughs> So I think 2001 to 2004 were those years of getting to to learn and appreciate that freedom, the autonomy of being who I wanted to be freely without judgment. I mean, judgment, my own judgment and and the fear of being judged by others. And from, for one reason to the other, around 2004, 2005, um, I was taking classes. This is kind of interesting because as soon as I moved to Miami and I started to make new new friendships, one of my friends asked me, you should come to this class of Reiki. Hmm. And I was like, what is Reiki? I didn't know what, it, what Reiki was. I said, no, it's, it's, a, it's a woman who, uh, she's kind of clairvoyant and she does a, a spiritual group. And I'm, I'm like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I don't know, 22, 23 years old back then. So I started to take those classes regularly and those classes were about learning about spirituality, learning about Reiki. And one of the offerings that she was uh, bringing into her weekly program, she had a beautiful house in Kendall. One of the offerings was a yoga class that was taught by uh, one of the participants of this group. And he was a, he is a Cuban. He was my, my first yoga teacher. Mm. So I remember going and taking classes with him twice a week, paying $5. And he was from Cuba. He, um, I think his name was Robert, if I remember correctly. And I remember that he didn't have a car. So I used to pick him up All in right. order to go to the center <laughs> so he could teach me yoga. And we didn't have blocks and we didn't have blankets or anything like that. I just remember myself doing postures and not not being sure why I was doing those postures. Like yoga back in the day, I mean, I was 20-something. Yoga wasn't at the top of my priorities. But because it was part of this group of spiritual study, I I decided to join. And I really liked it. And fast forward, let's say, a year or two around the same time 2004 2005 i started to take group yoga classes here on the beach i moved to south beach so i was taking classes and what used to be the old crunch on alton road and that was like my first experience with a couple of my friends taking a real like uh, group setting type of class and the only thing that I remember coming out of that class, I was going down the stairs. The studio was on the on the second floor. I, I remember telling to myself, it just feels like I. someone took me into a rocket to the moon <laughs> and I just came back. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I remember that feeling after Shavasana. And, and after that experience, I started to take classes regularly. And within a year... I signed up for my teacher training. So I oh, did wow, my okay. first teacher training here wow. in Miami in what used to be Miami Yoga Shala, the studio wow. run by uh, Fred Bush and Paul Talisius. And that, that's, I think, late 2005 when I did my teacher training. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and then you, you moved to New York at one point, right? So when I started to 
uh, I worked for Equinox here in Miami for about two years. Mm. And that's when I kind of got the feeling of, oh, wow, I like to teach yoga. T yoga is really, really good. And, and so then I met my ex-boyfriend and he, he wanted to move to New York. And by then I was here for about five or six years. And I only went to New York once or twice. But I felt at that time on my, on my late 20s that I needed to explore more outside of Miami. Because the only places that I'd been until then were Buenos Aires, where I'm from, Argentina, and Miami. Oh, okay. So at that moment, the idea of going to New York was kind of exciting. You know, everyone says at some time, at some point in your life, you should live in New York. That's yeah. what everyone <laughs> says. So Wait, I was. Rosie would love that. <laughs> yeah. So I was lucky enough that I was well established in Equinox in a short period of, of time, and I had a, a, you know, a decent amount of classes. So pretty much, I asked Equinox to um, relocate to to New York, mm. and so they were very, uh, very generous. So pretty much, I we ended up moving to Miami excuse me to new york and so i started teaching in equinox in new york but my first classes were here in miami with equinox and then the rest is history we spent close to 10 years in new york and i that's what i was teaching like a beast every every week uh five to six classes a day sometimes seven days a week so it was wow. a major um learning experience it was like i was meant to be in new york just to kind of uh, you know being in new york it opens your mind your brain you're like exposed to so many different people cultures so it was very intense it, time flew by there um but i still have great friends lots of students and that's why i keep going back to new york yeah. But it was an interesting time because I spent um, 10 years, part of my 20s, part of my 30s in New York. Mm. So it was a really good experience. Okay. Yeah. And you came back to Miami then like four or five years ago? So mm -hmm. after being in New York for a couple of years, I think we were in New York for maybe two years. It was so hectic in a sense that I was working so much. I was doing like 30 yoga classes a week. Wow. I was doing between five to seven yoga privates a week. So I pretty much was the first time. I mean, I was new to yoga. Remember, I did my teacher training in 2005 and around 2007, I, I was in New York mm. teaching this crazy amount of classes. So I didn't have uh, a sense of what is too much in terms of work yeah. and I was so passionate and you know I was young so every time that I had the opportunity to make money you're young you're in New York the, be the best city in the world yeah. so every opportunity that I had to teach and my classes took off quickly so they were offering me classes and I was saying yes 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 but after two years or so I burned out like I couldn't keep up that pace and I kept missing Miami so my boyfriend and I decided to come back to Miami. So we moved back to Miami. This was maybe 2007, 2008. I can remember when was the 
the, the economic crisis around that time. Yeah, 2008. Yeah. 2008. Yeah. So we moved back here for the, the duration of a pregnancy, nine months. So we came back to Miami and, and I was like, oh my God, this feels so slow. <laughs> and so I spent those nine months complaining of Miami and missing <laughs> New York. And, and on top of that, the economy was completely different than when I was in Miami after those few years. So long story short, after nine months, you know, we look at each other and say, we need to go back to New York. Uh -huh. We moved back to New York and then we stay another seven years or so. Uh, okay. Yeah. So then what made you move back to Miami after going back and forth and realizing how slow it was on Miami, how much you loved New York? What made you come back here again? Well, it's, it's not the same thing when you're 20 something yeah. and when you're 40. <laughs> almost 40 so um you know my my ex-boyfriend and i and i then we we went separate ways and i stayed in new york uh, for a while and it was the first time that i was completely by myself in new york remember the main reason why i went to new york besides the curiosity of being in new york i was following my boyfriend yeah. who really wanted to be in new york i was just open to the idea but then I find myself being in New York and like, okay, I'm here by myself. I don't have family. I don't have too many friends and I'm working like an animal. And after a couple of months of breaking up with, with uh, my ex-boyfriend, that's when I met my husband. That's when I met, I met Dennis. And we spent, we stay in New York uh, about a year. We got married right away. And then, you know what, after being in New York close to 10 years, and particularly the line of work that I do, which is, it's not the same, like, picture waking up in Miami, beautiful sunrise, palm trees, <laughs> walking or riding your scooter to Equinox South Beach to teach a class or driving to Coral Gables. Picture yourself being in January and storm, snowstorm <laughs> in New York. And having to take five times the train to go to five different locations, spending 25 minutes uh, taking your layers off to get to teach a class, sometimes walk, uh, walking up to 60, 70 blocks a day. So I'm not complaining about New York because I love New York and I will always love New York. And at some point I might go back. I don't know. That's what I always keep the door open. But... <clears throat> It takes a toll on you and particularly when you have this kind of job that yoga teachers or trainers we have which we're going places yeah so when we commute a lot every day like sometimes i was teaching six classes and for a while i, I lived in manhattan but for a while I, I was also outside of manhattan so for me taking a break implied getting out of manhattan going to queens coming back to the city so once we got married and I was, I don't know, close to my 40s, 36, 37, you start thinking, am I going to be able to sustain this type of rhythm uh, for the rest of my life? Because pretty much you work a lot to pay a tiny apartment yeah. and you don't have time for anything. And when you have time, you feel tired. So I found myself in one of the, the crowdest city, cities in the world 
and although I, I've been always been very grateful by being surrounded by lots of friends, and I mean, maybe not necessarily friends, but a lot of people that care about me, students and acquaintances. I only have a couple of really good close friends. They're not in Miami and not in New York. But at that particular moment, you know, after getting married, you start thinking, you know, I'm, I'm getting close to my 40s. Do I see myself being in this rhythm to my 50s? Mm. Is this the rhythm that I want to keep with my life? And I was just feeling that I was getting older, quicker yeah. by the intensity of the city and you know every person is different lots of my friends that, and, and people that I know and students are in New York and they love that they love the concrete they love the mountains upstate New York love the Hamptons they love New Jersey I I mean it's interesting because when I was auditioning for some of the studios in New York I remember coming out of the subway one day and starting to feel very agitated, short of breath, starting to sweat a lot, feeling really cold. And long story short, I had my only uh, panic attack in New York because I was new to the city. It was very overwhelming. I didn't know the subway stops. I was getting lost every corner, trying to find every single equinox. And I remember feeling like I needed to go home and lie in bed. And home was like 45 minutes subway ride. So it was impossible to go home. So I decided to, to walk to the closest park. And I got to the park and the park was even more crowded, crowded than the street. And I was like, this is going to be my new normal. Just dealing yeah. with people every single time. Um, so I guess the decision of coming back to Miami was based on the fact that after 10 years or so of experiencing a very type A, type A hectic, dynamic, career-oriented life, you start thinking, I might need some relaxation. Hmm. And also, you know, Miami was always in my heart. Like I, I would wake up in the morning and do a meditation and my meditation was always going to the beach and meditating in front of the beach. So I, I was always very clear that my my profession, my career was at the right place in my in New York. And my heart was there as well, but Miami always resonated to me at a more spiritual level, we can put it that way. So when I'm in proximity to the ocean, to warm weather, I respond I respond differently. Some people hate Miami. I love Miami. And so we made the decision of pretty much um, moving back to Miami, you know, First of all, I had to introduce Dennis to Miami. So I brought him oh, a couple yeah. of times, a couple of weekends. <laughs> and, and, and then when the conversation started to get more serious, I told him, let me go to Miami by myself. Just let me spend a couple of days to see what happens, to see how I feel. And I always, I always know when I feel good or bad in, in a place upon arri arriving at the airport. And every time that I will land in Miami, I will always feel this lightness and this feeling of wanting to take a deep breath. So I came for just a couple of days and within 24 hours, I signed the lease <laughs> <laughs> in this apartment. I mean, in this building that we are right now on the beach on um, West Avenue and 10th. Uh, 
So we had no option of moving yeah. because I signed, I committed <laughs> to sign the lease. It was the craziest thing, but it, he was totally open to it. So within a month, we rented a huge uh, uh, truck in Astoria, New York, and we drove with our two cats mm. for a day, and, a day and a half, and we moved to Miami, and this right. was close to four years ago. That is such a good story. <laughs> I love yeah. that he like trusted you enough to find the apartment and, well, just follow you, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He was also... Also, Dennis, he's, he's 10 years older than I am. And I spent 10 years of my life in New York. But he is from the um, marketing industry. And he spent 25 years in New York. Oh, wow. Okay. So he was also ready for a change and a lower pace. And I think the reason why I appreciate going back to your, que to your question, Rossi, when you were saying, why would you come back to Miami when you were here before <laughs> and it's because life it makes you appreciate things as you grow up so you look back and you kind of redefine your history and and you make better you can understand yourself better as you grow up and and also remember as being in miami was more of a celebration slash party time yeah. <laughs> uh whether on the 30s and being married it was a nice place to be to you know to work and have that element of nature relaxation being able to wear sandals all the time and shirts not having to deal with winter and so and also having a better quality of life having a nicer apartment having a nicer view being close proximity to the ocean, light in general. New York could be very dark for months. Hmm. Yeah, so that's pretty much the the main. We are exactly the same. We're in love with Miami. <laughs> and like yeah. you said, living next to the beach and always being warm and wearing sandals. Um, but So I'm interested, when did Warrior Flow start? When, when was that? So I was, this was around 2000. That was, this, this was in New York, so... My classes, it's funny, it's funny to talk about uh, yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I recorded my podcast, it's going to go out, well, I think it'll be before this now. Um, but yeah, I, I was terrified the whole time and I freaked out the whole time and it's just so weird talking about yourself for an hour. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I'm not terrified, I love talking, it's just, I... I, I I don't, I don't want to say I don't want to say I'm shy because I'm not shy. I just feel self-conscious of talking too much about myself. And we so, want to hear it all. Then we want to hear your story. So, so I, I always try to do it in a very way, in a way that it doesn't sound like me, 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 me. But it, <laughs> that's what it is, right? Yeah, it is about you. So, um, so this was 2006 or seven in New York, and I was teaching a lot of classes. New York is extremely competitive. Not a lot of people know that about that, about any any industry is competitive in New York. So whatever you do in New York, you have a million people who want to take your position, your job. <laughs> it's as simple as that. And there's no difference with yoga. And particularly when you work with a large company that has dozens, 20, 30 locations. So you're being all the time uh, evaluated. Uh, depending on how many people come to your classes, how much people like your classes, how much drive you get and into your classes. So 
the competition was really high in New York in New York and um, and I um, I mean I actually I ended up enjoying that part because it, it forced me to um, to um, to do better but it got to a point that was kind of overwhelming um, dealing with 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 a level of pressure I kind of lost the track of the question remind me the question <laughs> Um, I asked, when did Warrior Flow start? Oh, there we go. So, here, sorry, I'm having a senior moment. Uh, <laughs> so what happened is that out of this level of competition and taking so many classes around town, I realized, wow, everyone is going nuts here. It's like a yoga uh, boot camps and and everyone has the truth and everyone owns yoga. And I was like guys you know i was just saying to myself we need to kind of chill a little bit it, it cannot be that that intense i was just saying this to myself i have very few uh, yoga friends so i realized that i didn't want to be part of it i didn't want to approach yoga as it was being approached back then i feel i felt that i didn't fit with what was being offered i felt that by having the word yoga there was the assumption that i that i should do a b and c and i wanted the freedom to do a b c d e f f and on and on and on and so i had a because my background into yoga was always i mean remember the first time that i did yoga was in connection to reiki to spirituality learning about colors learning about astrology it was never about a physical workout so then I was in New York being in a very extremely extremely competitive mainly physical uh, routine so I got to the point where I had some leverage because my classes were going really well and they were being extremely well attended that I requested to Equinox if they could name my classes with a different name so I proposed them the name Warrior Flow. And I came up with a description and they say yes. And so all my classes are across Manhattan since 2007. They were, they changed the name to Warrior Flow. And the reason why I chose that name is because Warrior Flow, it didn't include the word yoga in it. Although most of the postures and the format and the inspiration comes from yoga but uh, but then I, I felt that I gained the freedom of creating something different and also having the freedom to add elements from Pilates from Kundalini yoga from Ashtanga from different traditions from uh, personal training from mobility and so people will come to my class and if I did something that it might be a little bit different than a traditional yoga class. Hey, he doesn't say yoga on the schedule. Oh, okay. yeah. So that was the first motivation about making a difference and kind of breaking with what was going on at that level in, in New York, or at least how I perceived the, the, the pressure of performing and, you know, keeping up with the amount of classes to pay your bills. Hmm. And what ended up happening is that after a couple of years in New York, 
even though we came back for nine, nine months and then we come back, uh, I built a large following. So all the New Yorkers, when they like you, they're like following you uptown, downtown, you know, they go after you. Yeah. And so what ended up happening is that, you know, when you start teaching to people for more than a couple of years, they're, they're not only your students, they become people that you know, they become friends. You know, I know some, some teachers might not like that idea, but I, I became really good friends with lots of my students. I know a lot of them. I know their stories after so many years. So that's when I it hit me that Warrior Flow had become something else than just a, a format on a schedule on a fitness club but I noticed that the main drive to the classes was the interactions that were happening in class the friendships so I remember for example Fridays at 5:45 was one of my most attended classes where everyone will come after work and everyone knew each other and we're talking about New York like millions yeah. and millions of people yeah and so you, you created a community so like, I created <laughs> without thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, now these days, fast forward to 2020, I'm very clear about it, but back then, like 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, all those years, I wasn't very conscious about it or what was happening. So that was when I had the first glimpse, oh wow, there's more than just teaching a sequence of postures and there's something good happening. People are interacting, people are becoming friends. And then I started to know my students and I started to introduce some of them to each other. I said, you know what? You should meet with this one. You should talk to this person. And like I do sometimes in classes in Lincoln Road. And so I have that thing that I like people to connect. And I see that, okay, this person and this person, they might have some something in common. And I'm talking about friendship. I'm not talking about relationship yeah. or anything <laughs> like that. I, I, I don't want to go there. Um, although I'm sure it has happened and I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I was going to say, you probably created a yeah, few I probably, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so that's what happened. So that was New York. New York was the main reason why I stay in New York for as much as I did is because I, I always felt very appreciated and loved for a lot, a lot, hundreds of people that they still take my classes. So with everything that's going on with this pandemic, And the live classes, if you take, and you guys have taken some of my live classes, I have all my New York community. Mm. And so it was very difficult to move uh, back to Miami because we have so much, so many people that we love. But again, after moving back and forth a few times, you kind of get used to it and you know that doesn't matter where you are, you keep the connection. Mm. But that, that was pretty much the origin of Warrior Flow. It began like a format of a class of yoga, of me trying to do something different that people cannot label or analyze or judge or compare too much, and then naturally develop into a community. So, yeah, I love that story as well. <laughs> um, I'd also love to know, so you go to prisons and work with people in prisons with yoga you you're an end-of-life doula mm -hmm. you do lots of other things to help people that yeah you work in shelters as well mm. where when did that start and where did that come from the want to help people who 
are probably what's the word most vulnerable maybe is that the word yeah, yeah. vulnerable under underestimated um underserved um so for many years i taught yoga to and i still do i taught yoga for equinox you know equinox has been my main employer since 2005 so i've been with the company for 15 years so you can say i'm i am a, a senior teacher and i'm a teacher that has work in two of the most important markets for the company which is miami and new york but when I when we moved to Miami, my husband and I on four years ago, my main worry was that he was gonna have a hard time adapting to this low rhythm of Miami coming for 25, 25 years in New York. And what ended up happening is that he loved it. <laughs> <laughs> he did great. He got a great job from New York, so he was able to work remotely. Mm. He was getting paid New York money in Miami, working from home. He was having the dream of his life. Yeah. We had a beautiful <laughs> apartment, cool <laughs> perfect deal. We had an apartment that was, I mean, in, in the same building that we are with an amazing view and everything. And interestingly, I felt that it was too much of a shock to get things started in Miami. So after a year, you know, I, I noticed that during the first year, things weren't moving as fast as I wanted to. So I became um, a group fitness manager for Equinox. So I was running two of the clubs. For a while, I was a manager in Equinox Cora Gables. Then for a while, I was a manager in South Beach. And then what ended up happening was that the shooting in Equinox, I don't know if you guys remember that. So there was a situation when one of the trainers obviously had some sort of mental health issues. So he walked into Equino an Equinox location and he ended up shooting uh, two people, two employees and himself. So this happened in Merrick Park and Equinox. And those two people were friends of mine and and one one of them was my direct my my ex-boss my general manager so all of around that time and i was feeling that i was i wasn't doing the job that i really wanted to do on top of that this happened this very traumatic situation at the same time my one of my closest friends then he had a, a very uh, complicated surgery, brain surgery. And around that time, I think Trump was elected. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, too much. So what ended up happening, I was diagnosed with depression. So uh, I was clinically diagnosed with uh, a major depressive disorder uh, due to so many things happening in my life and me trying to adapt to the new city, new job, a lot of stressors. So I was functional, I was teaching yoga classes, I was able to drive my car and teach a great class, but then I will, I will finish the class and I will collapse. So 
after being diagnosed and getting into treatment and into therapy, you know, things are starting to get better. And the moment that things were almost going back to normal, then I received that call one morning that my mom had a heart attack. So I had to travel to Argentina and I spent a month in Argentina with my mom. And then she passed away after 30 days, but I spent 30 days in the hospital with her. And it was very uh, traumatic, very intense. I spent all all that month, more than a month in the hospital. I was her main caregiver for a month, taking care of her, everything. my mom and my dad were divorced back then, but I was pretty much the main person that she, that the family was there, but I think I took the role of, okay, I'm the person who is going to make the decisions. The family was there, but I was, I was the one making all the decisions. So then my mom passed away and I come back and I come back worse than when I left. So I was like, I'm already know that I have depression. My mom passed away. Then on top of that, I was grieving and I continue to grieve. Grief is a process that lasts forever, sometimes for years, and it, and it has its ups and downs. So when I came back, I, I started to reflect on what I'm doing and the depth of what I'm doing and what I'm doing it for. And so out of... Um, what would be the right word? After experiencing the the suffering of my mom being in the hospital, after seeing the um, the frustration, the anger, and experiencing grief and losing someone that you love dearly for the first time, you know, death for me was a something that I wasn't used to it. I never experienced death in my life until my mom. I mean, I know people die. Oh, that person died. Oh, yeah. But your mom, yeah. you know, someone close to you. And so I realized that everything that I was doing until then, all the yoga, I was not, it was not cutting it for me. All the yoga that I was doing and I learned and I practiced for many years, I didn't have energy to do the practice for myself. It wasn't helping me. All the meditation years, all the Reiki, all the, you know, I, I spent a lot of time educating myself and taking trainings and different disciplines of well-being, healing. I'm a massage therapist. I'm a, I can work with magnets. I, you know, I have a school of meditation that I've been following for years. But after my mom's, none of that really helped me so that's when I decided, okay, so this is the reality. I'm someone who has this amazing background and I'm a good teacher. It looks like I'm a good teacher, but I need to learn more about what I'm going through. So that's when the first shift happened. Dennis was working for a nonprofit remotely for a nonprofit in New York uh, called Kula for Karma. And the, that nonprofit was... Um, offering therapeutic trainings for hospitals and kind of taking the yoga practice and tailoring the yoga practice to specific populations. And so I started to teach for, I started to tailor trainings. 
and after taking a couple of trainings, traveling to different states just to take the trainings, I told them I want I want to teach those weekend programs. So I became a facilitator. And then after a while, I I asked them I want to bring those programs to Miami. Mm. So I became the 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 program manager, excuse me, for Kula for Karma here in Miami, and I helped them to open or to launch the first therapeutic program at Mount Sinai Hospital. And after that, you know, once you start seeing that there's a lot of suffering and the suffering that you go and everyone goes through and the loss that people experience, the grief, you become more empathetic to anyone else's uh, stories. Um, so at that moment, one of my students in, in, um, in Equinox, she reached out to me and said, hey, would you be interested in, in doing something with Lotus House? And Lotus House is one of the largest shelters. So I ended up meeting the owner. And for a couple of months, I volunteer at Lotus House, going once a week and teaching, doing sound classes for the, for the women and the kids. And so I was already doing something for the hospital. Then I started doing the shelter. And then the, this is funny, the employees, the staff at the shelter, a Lotus House came to me and say, hey, can you do something for us? We're really stressed out too. Oh. And, I, and I said, sure, what do you guys want? I said, we would like to do the same thing that you do for the guests. And I said, okay. So obviously it's a, it's a nonprofit, it's a shelter, so they didn't have the money. So I ended up fundraising, uh, with my closest friends, the one who has small businesses, in order for me to be able to volunteer, not just once, but also to make some money on top of my Equinox classes. So I was volunteering once a week to teach for the, gelter, uh, for the, for the guests. And then with the money that I fundraised, I was paying myself $60 every time that I was teaching for the employees. I mean, there's only much volunteer that you can do when you work full time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I felt that was my call and it was in a way uh, everything that I wish I could have done with my mom differently and I couldn't change it because the the story was written in a different way at least I can do a difference moving forward with other people that might not have the resources after a couple of months of volunteering at Lotus House and fundraising to pay for the employee classes. I asked the executive director at Lotus House, hey, um, if you ever need me for something else, I'm around. And, you know, it was kind of those, one of those things that you put out there and you're like waiting for them to say no, thank you. <laughs> and they say, yes, we need you full time. Oh, wow. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> So I ended up working full time in Lotus House for close to eight months, I think. Mm. I reduced my schedule for Equinox, but I, I, can, I kept most of my classes and was a wonderful experience working with that particular population and demographic because you see the world from with a different set of eyes. Mm. You see people that are, you know, homeless, homeless with mental health families that are displaced teenagers that are running from abuse 
and all so, sort of things. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually funny, the, the coincidence, but we actually did like two or three volunteering at the Lotus House when we moved to Miami. I think it was in 2018. Yeah, we, we went, I don't know, like two or three times, I think, to play with children yeah. between 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. So yeah. the, the mom could have like so yeah. many time. Uh, so that's like mousing each other. <laughs> that's the prime time. That's dinner time where their kids and the moms are there. Um, so it was a wonderful experience. I gained a lot of insights. And I think that's when I first started to think of the idea of opening a, non- a nonprofit even a little before that. But the funny thing is that every time that I was asking, uh, you know, after years of working in Miami and New York, and you know that you have, I hate saying this, but, and and it's funny because I was writing an article today that I'm gonna submit about the the so-called yoga celebrities or influencers, which is words that I really dislike. But when you become conscious that there's people who follow you or people who look up to you. Um, I, I I wanted to open a nonprofit, but every time that I was running this by Dennis, by my husband, he would say, no, 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 mm. too complicated, too complicated. Because <laughs> he's always the one who ends up doing the, the, the back end, the, the paperwork, <laughs> the, the taxes, <laughs> the invoices. So he saw the nonprofit. I, 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 I know what he feels. That's, that's me. Okay, <laughs> so you can relate. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so he saw himself with, oh my God, he's he bringing a non-profit as the last thing that we need to. So he was happy with me teaching for shelters, going to the hospital and everything. So after I, I, I left Lotus House, it became a little too much every day working in, the, in that environment. I continued to volunteer. I started to volunteer at Camilo's house and that, open a completely different demographic which is also homeless but Mm. it's also women who come from sex trafficking it's also homeless who are at the shelter with mental health issues and instead of being sent to jail they're giving them the possibility of going to the shelter so they can still receive some kind of therapy because some of them they have some kind of mental health issues or disorders however you want to call it and if you send these people to jail you're not giving them the the tools and resources to get better so there's a program that camilo's house has where someone can do their jail time at the shelter and then another program that i started teaching at camilo's house is uh, yoga for uh, homeless people with uh they're recovering from substance abuse. Mm. So when I started to see this, I mean, everything happens very naturally. I went for one class, then a second class happened and I connected to the people. And so everything happened very naturally. And so at that time was last year, November 11th. That was that very auspicious day, 11-11-11, I think it was. (laughs) or something like that something very 11 (laughs) and so i woke up that morning and i said today is the day and i I need to file for a non-profit 
I just knew it. I woke up, Dennis was sleeping. I said, screw it. <laughs> I went online and I filed for our nonprofit. And then he woke up and I told him, sorry. <laughs> it needed to happen. Here's a pile of papers. Enjoy. Have a good day. Yeah. It just needed to happen. I, um, I, I like to say that I'm not a very intuitive person, but I knew since last quarter of last year that it was going to be a major, major, major shift in things. Like I knew it last quarter of last year. And looking back now, you know, we are at a place where a brand new nonprofit who's offering exactly what hospitals and shelters and firefighters and first responders yeah, they need, need right the now. most. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's, I need to sometimes to pinch myself and to remind, whoa, we, you know, I, 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 uh, submitted the paperwork for the nonprofit before the new year and we already have clients we have like a group of 15 facilitators and we're sending content to hospitals shelters police department we have our contract with miami beach police department that hopefully once things come back to normal it's going to be our first official program for the police we are launching programs for schools. And so it's, it's kind of fascinating in a way when I look back in, in uh, at the timing of things. Mm-hmm. And right now wh- where most of the people are um, kind of slowing down because there's a lockdown and everyone is working from home, Dennis and I very gladly were going nuts. We're going crazy because we're doing so much work. And so that's pretty much where the nonprofit is right now. We're waiting for the IRS to approve us as a 501c3 uh, nonprofit. And that, that was, we filed for that. We're just waiting um, a couple more weeks to get that, that going and approved. But in the meantime, we're continuously reaching out to, to fire, different fire departments Miami, Miami Day, Broward. We have a, a board of directors. Uh, They're mainly Miami, New York. We have the desire of the intention of expanding the, the programming early 2021 to New York. Hmm. And at some point, um, God willing, just expanding the program, the nonprofit at a national level. And in the meantime, we're just going crazy doing a thousand things. And on top of all of that, I felt that with what's been going on with the pandemic and and the virus, I felt that it was important to put something out there for the community in terms of uh, the same programs that we do for for the hospitals and the shelters, but put them at a large scale for everyone. So in less than two weeks, we organized, I organized a schedule that is... (laughs) the the most robust fitness yeah. and wellness schedule that I ever seen with 80 classes and 32 teachers from around the world teaching every day. It's literally like 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. 7 a.m. to day. 10 p.m. Yeah, pretty much every day, nonstop. <laughs> That's insane. So, what you did the last 10 days yeah. is insane. And and believe me, I 
I just had an idea and I was like, okay, let me try this. And then all of a sudden it was like a the big, big monster <laughs> in a good way. But I reached out to friends and, and, and I saw the benefit of putting these resources out there. I always felt in my heart that yoga has to be given and offered, first of all, to underserved, underestimated. And, and this doesn't mean people there are people of color or people from different races, but also people who might be like doctors or physicians are very well educated and and they don't have any socioeconomical problem, but they might not be exposed to this discipline. That's why yoga is so important for doctors and medical residents. But um, I felt that with all the work that we were doing within, through the nonprofit, sending our facilitators to the to different places it was the right thing to do to offer those same tools to the world in a moment where the world was going upside down and also from from a marketing point of view is to let the world know what our nonprofit does so it was kind of a no-brainer you know what this is what we do as a nonprofit and now Everyone needs yoga. Everyone needs meditation. For the first time in in history of a contemporary yoga, uh, we're realizing that yoga is not a, a, a commodity but a necessity. Hmm. And so this was a perfect time for us to go um, to go full speed ahead and put everything out. So I pretty much reach out to all the colleagues and friends and luckily i know a lot of people in the in, in the industry and you know some of them say yes some of them say no and now it has become a thing you know and after a week instagram banned our account because we were doing so much <laughs> instagram live so then we needed to get a software uh, another video platform so now we got vimeo and now we're experimenting with that and it's going well. And we, at this moment, we have close to 80 classes and 32 teachers. And today we're adding more teachers. Mm. And, you know, I hope that it doesn't last for too long. I, I sincerely hope that this stops in a couple of weeks. But for the duration of this mess that we are in, you know, I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. And so these classes are free for people who can't afford to pay but they are also donation based if people yeah. would like to and all the money goes towards yeah. the foundation right yeah all the proceeds go to the foundation 100 percent of the proceeds go to the foundation um and it helps us to film right here in my apartment and you might see some of the lights and everything so our, our apartment it's our tv set and so because all the all the um populations that we work with including prisons and we work Going back to your to your mention of prisons, prisons it's a partnership that we have with Exchange for Change, which is another nonprofit that we really adore, uh, and we're very thankful to them because through them we can go to prisons. So, and and the before before all of this, I was going to prison uh, to two prisons once a week, one federal and one state prison, and Dennis was doing one one of them. And we teach for 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 the inmates. But um, 
with everything that's going on now, all the hospitals, of course, are in lockdown because they don't want you to get exposed. Uh, all the prisons are in lockdown, so you cannot go to prisons because the same thing. So what, what ended up happening, we have to move everything online. So we have to buy new equipment, a camera, lighting, microphones to be able to film the same content that we will do if we were there in person. So when we do all the classes, the 80, almost 80 classes that we have online, they're donation based and all the money goes directly to the foundation pretty much to pay the cost of um, production for these uh, filming hours and the cost of just running a nonprofit. Um, at this moment, we are um, contemplating um, once things go back to normal, expanding the, the programs to schools. So we're running two pilots with two different schools. And I worked for many nonprofits before. And the tip, the typical program for a nonprofit is uh, to ask for volunteers to donate their times. And I'm, and I'm debating on my mind and I don't want to, I don't want to go into that. I want to pay. I want to pay uh, our facilitators. So all the money that we are um, collecting, first of all, is going towards the production cost of the videos. But then once things go back to normal, in my mind, the ideal is that the community of Lincoln Road, the community of Full Moon, the community of all the events that we do, by them donating their money or whatever whatever they donate sometimes it's not just about money but specifically talking about money that money can also be used to pay the facilitators to go to lotus house yeah you know i'm at a point that i cannot stretch myself to one more place yeah. um so the online classes there are a great way for us to be known for the work that we do to offer exactly what the world needs, which is stress reduction. And um, yeah, and I think that's our best presentation card of what the foundation stands for. And the classes are donation. You don't have to register. You don't need to put your name. You don't need to put your email. If you don't have money, you don't have to donate. You can take the classes. And since the day before yesterday, I am leaving the classes online. So the class that I taught today is available on Facebook. It's available on Vimeo. It's available on Instagram. And I know this, I might get some heat from this, from other teachers, because other teachers, you know, um, you know, they're charging for the, the, the classes and and I just feel that it's not the right time to do that. It's mm. the right. It's, it's the time to do the opposite way. But um, it's a very delicate time, and everyone has to take care of themselves the best way yeah, exactly, they can. Yeah. Everyone is in a situation that yeah. requires to take some some action. And yeah. yeah, it's yeah. It's uh, I just I always I always felt that I wanted to. And I haven't done it yet. I always say I want to do the first teacher yoga teacher training that is free. Hmm. And 
I haven't done it yet. It's, it's <laughs> on my bucket list. It's going to happen yeah. at some point. And then at this moment, it's also a matter of trust. You know, I'm spending, I'm waking up five in the morning. I spend all of my day on the phone working for the foundation, putting programs together on the email, doing social media for three accounts. People think that I have a team of five, six people working behind me. And it's just Dennis, <laughs> me, and one more person. Right. Um, but I still feel and that it's a good gesture to the universe at this moment to put all of these offerings in a donation-based way because people are going through a lot of difficult times. Yeah. And I'm including yeah, myself into that. We all are struggling one way or another. Um, but as long yeah, as some some struggle of financial, some struggle of emotional, yeah. like it's, it's any kind of struggle. So yeah, any. You know, I am. I mean, I'm trying to. I sound very relaxed and very yogi right now, but <laughs> <laughs> but I'm lucky enough to work for a company like Equinox, who's paying me until the end of the month, even though I'm not currently teaching any classes mm. for them. So I have some sort of cushion. But I don't know what's going to happen after April 30th. Yeah. And today on the news, we all read that everyone is suggesting to extend the lock, the, the curfew of the lockdown for another couple of weeks. Yeah. So I don't know what my reality is going to be after that. But regardless of that, I, I, I don't know, deep, deep within myself, I wanted to make these classes available, donation-based because I'm aware that there's a lot of suffering happening and I see it every day when I read the comments through WhatsApp, through Facebook, after classes, people who are taking the classes and they're alone. Started a couple of weeks ago, people texting me from Italy, they were in quarantine. People texting me from New York, they were, they tested positive to the virus and they were mm -hmm. just self-quarantine and they didn't want to leave the apartment so the only way of connecting was through the classes you know people think that you get a virus and you cannot move no these people were like okay we got tested but we're feeling okay but we want to move we want to do yoga yeah um i have people that are friends they're seniors who are in quarantine in miami and taking the classes and that's the only moment where they can actually interact and move so I just felt that it was very important to make these. I, I felt it was very important. You know, I, I, always, I, I always like to look at the big picture and see what everyone is doing and do it differently. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the thing. So everyone freaked out. All the yoga studios and fitness centers, they closed. So what happened? Everyone went survival mode everyone wore the blindfold and said i have to make money to pay my rent which is very respectful and understandable yeah. i said to myself no <laughs> this is the opposite this is all of us coming together and do something that is more inclusive and a little larger and with a with, with a more um hopefully with a more altruistic uh, intention behind it. Mm. Every yoga is altruistic. I'm not saying that a teacher who's teaching 
via Zoom, and all my friends and colleagues are teaching via Zoom, and I and I, and I know the struggles. So I don't want to sound like doing that is bad, but in my mind, I always wanted to do things different and bigger and and reach more people. Understanding that it's never about me. Yeah. Alone. Also, I think the, the the reason is you you have a purpose. Like th- this is something's happening right now. You're you're doing your best to provide a solution right now. Yeah. But but you have a way bigger picture in mind than just a six weeks lockdown. Yeah. So so you're working towards this bigger picture. Yeah. So this is a necessary step when other people are trying to just adjust and survive a yeah. few weeks doing that. So that, I, that, I guess that's why it's different. Yes and no. I The bigger picture came after the picture was in place. Oh, so okay. <laughs> I, I noticed that I needed to do things differently because I felt that. And I did things differently and I reached out to a lot of people. But I didn't thought that was going to be what it has become. And and you and I were talking about that. So as I, I have a vision and a couple of things and some elements, but this was was not one of those. Like we were talking about eventually having a video platform and offer some online content. We know that digital and video is the the way of the future. But it was something that was on the list. Like I want to go to Thailand one day. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But then it happened so naturally and so quickly and it was so well received. And then so, you know, then we put the pieces together. Okay, maybe this is this is it. Maybe this yeah. is the test that we needed to have to happen. Yeah. This is a little push you needed to. <laughs> yeah, that was a 24-hour push of Instagram banning yeah. my account and everyone freaking <laughs> out. Where the hell are the classes that you were promoting? So, yeah, so that's, that's, that's the story, but... I also, I think it's worth mentioning, uh, it's, and I think this is important for everyone, particularly for the yoga teachers. And I always, I'm very grateful for the, the career that I chose to and the opportunities that I have. And, and there's a time when you're doing the same thing for more than 15 years where you know the space that you that your space on the market, your space in the community, your space on on people's lives, and you start thinking also, okay, am I just going to be a yoga teacher for the rest of my life and teach yoga classes, or I can create something that is bigger? And here's where the larger picture might come into place, something that might stay after I'm gone or after I retire. And... I also no longer see myself as a yoga teacher. I think that um, many of the programs that we offer to the hospitals, to the shelters, to police, some of them are yoga, obviously, but some of them are just stress reduction. Some of them are mindfulness. Some of them are uh, audio, uh, sound. Um, so I no longer see myself as a yoga teacher, but mostly a, a facilitator of mind-body therapies and a communicator. And you know, and I, w- I will always love yoga, and I, that's why I continue teaching it. But that's why when everyone went to 
to teach online classes, I was like, I want to have a full schedule of classes. Yeah. I need to work out. <laughs> I need to meditate. I need yoga nidra. I need all of that. So yeah, you're doing like chair yoga. Chair you're yoga. Doing a sound bath every day, 10 p.m. Right. 10 p.m. Sound Eastern bath. Time. We do chair uh, yoga. Starting this Sunday, we are in Kundalini. Starting next week, we are in sculpt yoga sculpt. We have wonderful personal trainers and coaches. They do apps classes, sculpting classes. We have teachers from New York. We have uh, my dear friend, Ayan Bondi, which is a yoga celebrity, but a good yoga <laughs> celebrity. And we have our friend Paula from Ireland, who's a big advocate of yoga. Um, so we have a lot of teachers from New York, a lot of yeah. teachers from Miami and around the country. So we're very happy with that. And I don't know where it's going. I just know that it's going yeah <laughs> i just know that it became well, right. my full-time job to be yeah, honest with right. you. i mean right now we can't make much plan anyway so it's just a day after another and <laughs> let's see where where we go listen that's all we can do right now if you can spend one day and just i don't want to say survive but spend one day and feel good and do something that helps someone that's it yeah exactly yeah if you go to bed at night and you close your eyes and you say you know what i try my best i did my best yeah that's 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 all you can do that's all you can do and yeah. you know be hopeful that this will end it's uh it surprises amazes me in miami i mean i have a soft spot obviously for new york and new york at this moment is the epicenter of this pandemic in the mm -hmm. u.s so i'm in communication with a lot of people in new york all the time and a lot of them are teaching for us so a lot of the teachers that you see teaching for us they're in the worst possible place to be right now which is new york but then i'm we are in miami and i look through my balcony and i see groups of 10 people working out like three feet together and i'm like hmm. didn't you get the memo yeah you know like you know and it's funny because when everyone started to talk about this virus i started right away being kind of I'm the, kind, the type of person that I catch everything. If someone sneezes in the next 24 hours, I have a cold. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to lie to you. For the last three days, I haven't leave, left my apartment mm. by choice. I was taking my dog at night for a walk, but we have a nice balcony. So I still have the outdoor feeling. But it surprises me, just uh, amazes me to see um, that not everyone is taking, taking it seriously yeah. here in Miami. Well, anywhere, I think. Or anywhere. <laughs> it's it's yeah. just I'm in France. Like, I, I, I mean, I talk to my friends in France and it's the same. Like, yeah. It's everywhere. Other than that, you know, it's just, it all boils down to the same. Just do whatever you can. I mean, at least for me, do whatever you can. Yeah. Some people might like it. Some people might not. Don't care either way. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like Nike, just do it. <laughs> yeah. Um... Well, before we, we close the episode and, and, and Rosie close it, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say that, uh, well, thank you for sharing the whole story. That was really yeah. interesting and it's I mean beautiful story and I've learned a lot about it. And now I, I understand where all this generosity is coming from. Because since I've met you, that's, that's been one thing that amazed me is yeah. how much generosity and like, you are such a giver. It's, uh, it's pretty incredible. And thank I've you. always wondered like where it was coming from. So, so now I know, and, and I, I really like admire everything you do. It's so inspiring. Thank and I mean, keep, keep doing it. I, I really, uh, 
I just, it's, it's so amazing and inspiring. I've, I've told Rosita recently that, you know, it's usually like in the darkest time, this when shit is going on, that we see people rising and, and people changing the world. And I truly believe that you're one of them right Thank now. Thank you, appreciate like that. You, you, what you're doing right now is helping now, but I think it's going to have a way bigger impact. Thank you. One day somehow, I truly believe it. I appreciate so that. keep doing it because, yeah. Thank you, brother. Keep doing it. Appreciate <laughs> thank that. You. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, again, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, where can people find you online for the classes and to donate maybe or just to follow what you're up to? So thank you for asking that. Um, our Instagram account is Warrior Flow Official. That's the main account where we post about our daily schedule of classes. Then the foundation has its own Instagram account is the warrior flow foundation and instagram and um for those who are not on instagram the best way to find us is either on warriorflow.com or warriorflowfoundation.org um, so we're still kind of trying to somehow to narrow everything into one thing <laughs> but it's not happening yet yeah. but whatever they are whatever platform they type warrior flow and the most probably thing that's going to appear one or second is going to be us but yeah the easiest way is warriorflow.com or warriorflowfoundation.org okay thank you so much uh, thank I'm you gonna so link much everything in the, in, in the bio of the episode so it'd be easier for people to find it thank you i appreciate that so thanks again for being on and talking to us it's been so ins inspiring and incredible um, and thank you so much for everyone for listening. Please do subscribe and comment down below. Leave us a review. That'd be also amazing. And also share it with anyone who you think might be interested in this episode and to hear this story and to, you know, someone who might be interested in working out online, but with a different teacher, lots of different teachers. <laughs> Go and follow Warrior Flow. And yeah, we'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you. <laughs> thank you.